We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my fantastic friend and you sweet, sweet soul. You know, if you've been alive for any amount of time, it seems lost and the death of someone you care about is going to be part of your journey. Life as a human being on planet Earth does not go on forever. And while transition is natural, and I believe can be like going home for the ones leaving, for the ones left behind, the effects can be overwhelming, confusing, painful, and long-lasting. Grief is the one, one of the hardest and heaviest of human emotions, and the process of recovering from loss is often misunderstood and misrepresented. According to my guest today, we never get over it, nor should we. We're here with Sherry Corm- Cormier. She is an author, psychologist, grief expert, and consultant who engages in public speaking, training, and grief mentoring. She's a former professor at both University of Tennessee and West Virginia University. At one point in her life, everyone agreed Sherry had it all, a thriving marriage to a loving husband, a vibrant career, a new home, and wonderful relationships with her parents and daughters. However, in a very short time span, these anchors were ripped away. Her husband was diagnosed and died of cancer. Her mother, father, sister, and even beloved dog passed away. Sherry was left reeling and was catapulted into her own dark night of the soul. But Sherry has successfully navigated this terrain, endured, survived, and even thrived. And her new book, Sherry focuses on discovering how people rise above the darkness, shares her own healing journey, and supports people in moving on to a life they can once again love while not forgetting the ones they have lost. Sherry's new book, Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief, is both a moving memoir and an insightful guidebook where she shares her loss and grieving process, followed by revealing tales of other people on their own journeys, then practical strategies and tips that provide healing opportunities for dealing with grief in any form. There's also a powerful question section to support the readers in bringing healing to their hurts, uncovering their own important life lessons as they are gently assisted in moving closer to their own wisdom heart, and soul. So Sherry, thank you so much for saying yes to this conversation here today on Journey to Center. I'm so honored to be here, Tammy, and thank you for inviting me. I'm just, I'm really thrilled to be present with you and with all of your listeners today so much. Yes, and I I read your book and it was incredible. It was heart-wrenching, mind-opening, soul-inspiring. So I just want to start with a little bit about your backstory and why you wrote this book, Sweet Sorrow. Well, you sort of alluded to it, so you've you've provided mm-hmm. a great segue for me today on this. <laughs> well, you know, in the last decade, I have lost all of these very significant people. You use the word anchors. Um, mm-hmm. I lost my father and, and my husband within three months of one another. So in a very short time span, I had lost the two most important men in my life. And then that was followed a couple years later by the death of my mother. And then the death of my rescue dog that I had rescued 
to provide me with some sense of companionship. She died, and then my, uh, more recently, my only sibling, who was my sister, died. So, you know, I really, um, I looked around for books, and because I am a reader, and I've always been a reader, I couldn't quite find anything that was that helpful to me. And you mentioned the dark night of the soul, and we do go through a dark night of the soul with any kind of loss, whether it's Mm -hmm. losing a beloved or losing a house to a fire or a flood or losing a wonderful job. We go through this sort of existential spiritual struggle. Yes. And so many of the things that I read left me feeling darker. Mm, <laughs> I guess that's good. really the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to feel darker because, you know, I was struggling with my own darkness and just struggling to make sense of it all. And what was I going to do, you know, because my future had been entirely disrupted now. So I wanted, I wanted to write a book that was real that mm-hmm. did, that was truthful, that did not minimize the darkness, and yet at the same time, because I do believe after the darkness there is light, so I wanted the the book to be a book in a way about light, and even the cover of the book yeah, has beautiful. all of these points mm-hmm. of light. Yes, because I wanted I wanted to provide hope and inspiration to people struggling with losses and disappointments and, mm-hmm. and hardships. Um, and, you know, life, that is what we get faced with in, in life. And yet, at the same time, we don't have to be stuck there forever. Mm-hmm. And, and you talk about this, and I think it's so important because we want to honor our grief, but we don't want to indulge it, allowing it to overwhelm us for, you know, the rest of our lives. So can right. you talk a little bit about finding that balance and how we can honor and process our grief and move on eventually to a life of light? Yeah, that's such a great, great point and great question mm-hmm. because we could be at either extreme Like one extreme would be where we want to avoid our emotional pain. And as you said earlier, grief is a very heavy emotion. It's hard to be with it all the time. So there are people at one end of the spectrum who try to avoid processing their grief. And sometimes, you know, they'll get lost in things like using substances to Mm self-medicate the pain They'll find ways of coping with grief, but they're really not coping. They're more yeah, avoiding. It's avoiding and denying. And mm-hmm. denying or self-medicating mm-hmm. in some way. Yes. I know someone that developed a great shopping addiction to avoid mm-hmm. dealing with her grief. Mm-hmm. To not so, feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that not to feel it because it's so And I so think hard. unprocessed grief can be the cornerstone or core of a lot of physical challenges, certainly mental and emotional. So we definitely want to honor our grief. So we definitely want to yes. process it. So avoidance yes. is not good. But yeah. at the other end of the spectrum that you just kind of mentioned this, we can, we can try to att- we attach ourselves to it so much and never take any breaks from it, that we get stuck in it. So 
One of the most important things for me, right after my husband died, I had some friends who had lost a daughter a few years before that, and we were we're very close. We're still very close. And they said to me, you have to take breaks now and then from grief. And it was like a light bulb went off, uh, mm-hmm. Tammy, because, you know, you it is a dark night of the soul, and you are involved in a struggle, and you do need to process your grief. And at the same time, because it is a heavy emotion, you do need to take some breaks, and you don't want to... You don't want to become a victim of it and stay stuck in it. And yes. we know actually there's about 10% of people that really cannot move through their grief. They cannot move to the other side, which doesn't mean that it never ebbs and flows, but it's like they're they're mired in quicksand with it all the time. Mm-hmm. And they develop what we call complicated grief. People with complicated grief, not too many, but about one out of ten, if you're suffering from complicated grief, if you've been through a hard loss and and it happened three, four, five, six years ago, and you're still kind of at the same intense level of bereavement now you were then, then you're probably at a marker for complicated grief, and then that does require professional help to kind of deal with that. But mm-hmm. other than that, I think we have that we all have the capacity to move through and process our grief and not avoid it and not get stuck in it. And mm-hmm. sometimes we just have to remember to go outside of ourselves because grief can be very self-absorbing. Yes. So we want to do something that's playful or we want to listen to music or being with friends, finding social connections is so important. you also important. address the importance of volunteering, how that can help and us volunteering. Out of give us a oh break. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I think volunteering is a really important spiritual practice. I agree. And I think spiritual practices are, we know that people who heal from loss, one of the ways they heal is they strengthen their sense, our sense of spirituality, and whatever that might mean. But for many of us, what that means is volunteering, finding a way to give back, finding a way to contribute, finding a way to be of service to somebody. You know, even if it's just something like practicing random acts of kindness, Mm -hmm. that can have a huge impact on the world. I think it opens our heart and it ripples out love, which helps others and it helps ourselves. And in the process, we are helped. Yes. Yeah, it's a really beautiful um, segment that you speak on in your book, which I think has been so helpful for me. I've dealt with some of my own losses. And um, how do we get out of that really dark place? And and I found as I was in that dark place, um, people were very compassionate for a while, but then they moved away from me because that's a tough energy to be around. It is. So we need to be able to figure out how we can support ourselves. And you also talk about how we can support others who are dealing with loss and grief. Can you touch on that a little bit? Sure. I have a, an entire chapter on the book, in the book, Sweet Sorrow, about how to help our friends and loved ones and colleagues who are dealing with with grief and bereavement because it is hard. And I think most of us 
we feel a little awkward if we're really honest with ourselves, Tammy, it, mm-hmm. it, because it is a hard thing to be around. So the first thing that I would say is we can't really fix somebody in the middle of grief and bereavement. We don't need to try to fix, fix them, mm-hmm. you know, or problem solve or troubleshoot for them. At the same time, because of our own awkwardness and just because I think People, sometimes we get a little phobic even about talking about grief and loss. We want to keep everything light and happy. So then there's also a tendency to avoid being around people suffering with bereavement. So I found it really helpful simply to show up and acknowledge. And when I say acknowledge, I really mean just just be present, be willing to listen, keep an open heart and mind, um, just say something like, I realize that your husband or your daughter just died, and I'm really so sorry about that. If you know the person, it's helpful if you can say something about what you remember about them. We love to hear people talk about our loved ones in loving ways. Mm-hmm. And then t- to be inquiring in terms of how you can be helpful. You know, is there anything I could do or say that you need right now? Uh, You might ask directly about times that have been hard. What are the hard times? Would you like to tell me about those? And are there ways that I can uh, be helpful for that? And, you know, this thing that you mentioned earlier, Tammy, about people showing up and then disappearing. And, you know, part of that is just because we're human, and we get busy, but we need to remember that that for most of us, when we've been through a hard, heartbreaking loss, that grief doesn't leave in a month or two. It sticks around for quite a while, one, two, mm-hmm. three years. And so we need to really try to remember to be available for our friends and loved ones for the long haul. You know, grief recovery is more of a marathon than a sprint. Oh, yes. There's no shortcut. There's no no shortcut. shortcut. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even though we Mm -hmm. wish there were. but Yeah, we wish there was a pill for it, but none of them were actually (laughs) effective, like truly effective. No, no. And I think you said something earlier. You know, the pill for it is our own inner work. Yes, you know, the absolutely. Own, the, our own inner work that we do. And the thing about this dark night of the soul is, yes, it does represent a period of darkness and it does re- represent a period of uh, spiritual existential struggle. And at the same time, loss is such a catalyst for growth. Hardship is a catalyst for growth. And so on the other side, if we can just stay present to the darkness and really look within ourselves and do our own work and practice really effective self-care, and then on the other side of the darkness, we begin to emerge like a caterpillar begins to emerge Mm -hmm. into a beautiful butterfly, and we start to feel our energy shift, we start to experience light, and we get this glorious awakening and really this sense of regeneration. Mm. 
Yes. Yeah. If we, I think if we honor our grief, we can get to that place. I think it um, is absolutely possible. That's been my experience. I haven't experienced the, the devastating losses that you have. I'm still married to my soulmate, but I've, I have experienced um, the suicide of a best friend and some, some really powerful losses that um, shook me to my core. And for a while I was like, am I going to indulge myself and stay here forever? Or am I going to invite my life to be a testament to saying yes to life? So yeah. um, I have gotten to the other side, but it did take a lot of time and it is a process. And I love how your book can be such a beautiful companion on that path for those that are maybe struggling and not knowing where to turn. Mm-hmm. Well, so Sherry, you go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, you also, you mentioned a term that I had never heard before, and I'm, I want to uh, have you uh, describe and explain it a little bit more. Most of us have heard of post-traumatic stress disorder, post-traumatic grief. You, you talk about um, post-traumatic growth. Yes. Well, you speak and, of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason that probably a lot of us have not heard of this term is it's relatively new. Um Post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder, we've, I mean, we've talked about that for years in terms of veterans coming back from war, uh, sexual assault survivors, people who've been through mass violence like mass shootings, um, and not everyone who goes through something traumatic does develop PTSD, Mm -hmm. but for people who do and even for people who don't. For people who go through a really hard, kind of we're talking about a seismic event here in life. So not something upsetting. We all go through upsetting things like um, our schedule changes for the day or uh, this morning I did a Skype interview which went on Facebook and I noticed I had done a terrible job with my eyeliner. And, you know, that's upsetting, but it's not a seismic event, right? Right, right. So, and then you just kind of have to end up laughing at those and saying, yes. yeah, my daughter's right. I, I need permanent makeup or something. I need something other than my hand that doesn't know what to do. But... <laughs> You have to laugh at yourself. But I'm talking about events that really shake you to the core Mm -hmm. and violate. These are events that violate our assumptions about the world, like Mm. you losing your friend to suicide, me losing my soulmate, who was my husband. And this is a pretty new phenomenon in the psychological literature. It's been researched now about 20 years by... Um, two folks, Dr. Tedeschi and Dr. Calhoun, who are psychologists at the University of North Carolina in Charlotte. And they've done now tons of research. They first looked at people who had severe injuries that left them with paralysis. Mm -hmm. And they also looked at people like myself who had lost beloved spouses. They've done a lot of work with veterans coming back from deployments, and they've even looked at prisoners of wars. And all of these people have have sort of said the same thing. They've said, you know what, we wouldn't have chosen for this experience to have happened to us. We wouldn't have chosen to be in an accident and get paralyzed or become a prisoner of war or be deployed 
to war zones without our family and loved ones for four years or to have our beloved soulmate die. Yet, what everyone was reporting is that there was something in this seismic event experience that changed us for the better. Mm-hmm. I can totally relate to that. Right? Yeah. I'm thinking as you're saying this, and I haven't thought about this before, but, you know, when there's devastating fires and how it like can in actually California. bring new growth, mm-hmm. if, you know, it's a process. It takes time. But in the end, and my sister who's studying horticulture explained this to me. It's like, you don't want to see this happen, but it really can um, provide new growth and it can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. But it is a process. And I feel like we can be burnt to the ground. We can totally break open and mm-hmm. I can look back at those breaking open times in my life and see how they have supported me in growing as a more compassionate, light-filled, mm-hmm. spiritually devoted soul. And I, I'm hoping that it, it um, like you, I can become the wounded healer and pay the blessings of love forward. So I'm relating to what you're saying in a very, very significant way. I appreciate you sharing that. And that's where I think for your listeners... That's where the hope is for all of us, that this doesn't, these don't seismic events, they do uproot us, and they can, yes, burn us, burn us and scorch us. They don't have to be, we don't have to be stuck in them. They don't have to be a permanent state of our undoing. That growth and newness and rebirth and transformation and healing over time can all occur. And we know from this work that these two wonderful psychologists have done that people do discover so many areas of their life that can be profoundly impacted in ways we could have never imagined before this event. And what I found, Sherry, sometimes we need to know that on an intellectual level before it becomes real. It's like it may seem like this faraway notion that we can't even begin to, like, comprehend. But if we can just know while we're in the throes of grief that this is a possibility and potential and and your future reality, just to have that intellectual knowing can be helpful. And I think if somebody is listening is really in the throes of grief and struggling and doesn't know how to get out of it, reading her book can start to open your mind and start to open your heart to that process of healing. So Cher, we just have a couple minutes left here. Can you tell people how they can find you or grab a copy of your book, Sweet Sorrow, Finding Your Wholeness After Loss and Grief? Well, how they can find me a couple different ways. I have a website. It's www.sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y, Cormier, C-O-R-M-I-E-R, author, A-U-T-H-O-R dot com. I, I also am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, Sherry Cormier, Sweet Sorrow. And I also am on Amazon and have an Amazon author page. And you can order the book in a click on your favorite online retailer like Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes and, Barnes and Noble. That's great. So um, we just have a couple minutes here left, and, and there's a question here. So if you, if you could sum up your approach in one sentence, what would it be? Oh, that's such a great question. I would say if I just could, could give a title to what I've been through and maybe what 
I think is hopeful for people going through losses and hardships right now. Remember that loss and hardships are catalysts for growth and Mm. awakening. Mm. And that's really what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. That's what we've been put on earth Mm -hmm. to do, I believe. Yeah. That's the conclusion I've come to after experiencing my own losses. We're not here just to experience, I call it the goal line stuff. We're here to experience the soul line stuff, which is about uh, when we die, we take the big lessons of love mm-hmm. with us. So, And we're here uh, to find what are the lessons that, you know, because every hardship and every disappointment and every loss, there is a lesson. There is yes, a message. There is. there is. And that also becomes a gift. Yes. It may not feel like it at the time, but I think that is the ultimate truth. Yes. So Sherry, I'm just so grateful for you and so grateful that you're going to be on for another show with me next week. And I'm looking forward to going into some of the spiritual metaphysical dimensions. I'm going to talk about dreams and um, continue to support our listeners in using their opportunities of hurt and heartbreak to getting to hope and growth. So Sherry, I'm just so, so grateful for this conversation. It's been so um, helpful and important. And the work you're doing is amazing. And I'm sorry you've had to go through what you've gone through. But thank you for your life lessons and blessings. Thank you so much for Thank you, Tammy, and thank you to your listeners. I've I've just been privileged and honored to be on your show. Oh, I think you're adorable and precious, and I'm looking forward to our continued conscious conversation. To my listeners, thank you so much for being part of the energy that is Empower Radio. I love having these conversations with my amazing experts, but what makes it even more rich is connecting with you. Be in touch with me, TammyBPhD.com. Find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Know that you're in my heart, meditation, and prayers. God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now.